Hey there, future fans! This week, sometimes our neighbors make us want to sing, while other times, our neighbors really suck. It's the week of June 11th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 205 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we're gonna we're gonna try to make it a shorter show this week because it's my wife's birthday week and i originally wasn't gonna do a show but she convinced me to do one anyway Uh, historically i don't do a show on a birthday week for me or her but normally i'll i'm done with the show by the time her birthday actually is so that's why you're getting an episode this week you can thank her for that well my future friends let us not waste any more time And I'll start by telling you what it is you're listening to. That's right. If you are new, you may not know what this is. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. That's right. I am Billiam. And I talk about flicks from the future. On this show, we do quite a few things. We start out talking about movie news and trailers that have caught my eye. uh, Anything I've noticed since the last episode. And then we jump into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. The first category is... The limited release section, those are all movies that are getting a limited release and also didn't catch my eye. The next section is the wide releases and interesting indies, which are every wide release movie, every nationwide release and everything coming to a major streaming service, and any indie film that did catch my eye. Out of all those, we have a pick of the week, which I say, hey, if you see any movie this week, make sure it's this one because this has the best chance of being good. And then I send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts you may enjoy, like some of the friends of the show whose ads you will hear as we continue. Well, let us not waste any more time and jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, everyone, in our first story from Giant Freaking Robot, Black Panther 2 apparently has its villain. We know that Black Panther 2, titled Wakanda Forever, is uh, planned to come out in 2022, directed by Ryan Coogler and co-written by Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. We know that returning to the uh, to the movie are Angela Bassett, Denai Gurira, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Letitia Wright, Martin Freeman. But now it looks like they're adding, according to a rumor, and apparently a pretty well-respected and well-believed rumor, is that they're adding actor Teno Cuerta as the Submariner, Namor the Submariner. We know that there have been rumors about Namor coming to the MCU for a while, because Namor was a, or has been a long-established member of the Avengers. If you remember that old Avengers video game, the one that you would see in arcades, in, in like that big arcade cabinet where you can pick multiple characters, Yes, Captain America and the Avengers, the arcade game where you can play as Wasp, Quicksilver, Wonder Man, and Namor, and Captain America, of course. I think that was it. Wow, looking at this old picture really brings it back. Oh no, okay, there there were a couple of them, but the main ones on the picture 
were Vision, Iron Man, Captain America, Hawkeye, but I guess you could pick other Avengers as well. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What is here is that it looks like, even though it hasn't been fully announced yet, that the rumor has it that, that Namor the Submariner has been named as the villain. We will see if that is true once Marvel confirms. All right, next up in the news, another story from Giant Freaking Robot and another uh, another rumor that they claim is uh, is super true and they, they just act like it's truth already. So who knows? Maybe it is. And apparently Giant Freaking Robot and their sources have a history of being right. So maybe I'll believe this one too. That the Punisher... John Bernthal is coming back. He is coming back to reprise his role as the Punisher in an upcoming Marvel series. And the rumor that kind of is kind of a stretch is that there's going to be two seasons, at least two seasons of Moon Knight and Punisher will be introduced in season two of Moon Knight and he'll be fighting Moon Knight until they eventually find themselves on the same side. My future friends, my future friends, this next story comes to us from CBR, also known as Comic Book Resources. Uh, there are new set photos from Indiana Jones 5. Indiana Jones 5 subtitle is Indiana Jones and the AARP. This next story comes to us from Uprox, and it's pretty bad news from my opinion. Rob Zombie is going to be making a Monsters movie. And uh, I am so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry. I don't like Rob Zombie. He's not a good director. He's not. All he did was bring a breath of different air to the horror scene, and it wasn't good. It's just, it, he's, he's so overrated, and I am not looking forward to this movie, even though I love the monsters. In news from uh, AV Club that's not really movie related, but it's close to my heart. This is regarding the show Kim's Convenience that recently had its fifth and final season come out on Netflix, and apparently... Simu Liu came out and spoke out against the show's cancellation, saying that apparently the creator, Inz Choi, who adapted this show out of a stage play, he walked away or he, he quit. And the producers, the all white producers, decided they didn't know where to go with the show. So they just canceled it. But they are giving a spinoff to Shannon, Shannon played by Nicole Power, one of the only white characters in the show and arguably the bigger of the white characters but there's like three okay there's more than that but i have the characters that routinely get lines she was like basically the only one except for gerald so he was questioning that why did the producers not know where to go with this show featuring a almost entirely asian cast but then give the only white character a spin-off and apparently someone on twitter brought up the fact that hey can't the cast and crew let me just quote this tweet directly a user at afi grids says is it possible to renew season six handled by actors as producers then simu liu responded with this was something we pushed for but we're clearly unsuccessful at hence huge slap in the face for us when producers claimed they couldn't find anyone to fill the showrunner's shoes so this whole situation is just shitty. and the good news is that simu liu wishes Nicole Power all the best and wishes her new show success because he likes her. He says she's a great person and he wants her to do well. But he says he will, if they ask, he will not reprise his role as Jung on the show. And I get it. What a big slap in the face because Kim's Convenience was a popular show. It was really popular. 
And if you think about it, it came out around the same time as Shit's Creek, another Canadian comedy show. Both of these blew up in America, just huge. So the main showrunner, the only Asian in the writer's room, according to Simu Liu, the showrunner walks away and the producers just give up. Go, okay, no more of this. And apparently the cast weren't given much chance to say anything about the portrayal of Asians in the show because they would be given the notes or the scripts for how the season was going to go just days, mere days in advance. So they had to look over it really quick and sometimes they were just blatantly ignored. So if any other company picks up Kim's Convenience, I think they will be a low-key superhero. Which is funny because Simu Liu is going to be, and we know this, Shang-Chi. And it took this article from Cinema Blend not only to teach me that, yes, I was saying Simu Liu's name right, so yay for me, but I was mispronouncing Shang-Chi. I thought it was Shang-Chi, but it's Shang-Chi. And even though Liu is part of the MCU now, and he has this huge future with the MCU, I 100% think that if another company offered to pick up Kin's Convenience, I think he would go back. Because he reportedly loved working with everyone, and just loved the fact that there was a popular show featuring the Asian experience. Let's talk about more Shang-Chi news. This from Flickering Myth, another Simu Liu story. He says that Marvel hasn't, quote, shied away from ripping out questionable aspects of the source material. He does go on to say that, yes, this was written by two white men back in the day. Shang-Chi's first appearance was in Special Marvel Edition number 15 back in De- December 1973. And so basically, Liu says he's not surprised that there's, you know, not such um, modernly woke stuff in it, and that Marvel and Disney have not been shy about changing that. And finally in the news, we have a story about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, a cast member has been added, or a vocal cast member has been added, and that's actress com- and comedian and writer, director, I think she does it all, Issa Rae, playing Jessica, or voicing Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman. So, returning, we have Shameik Moore as Miles Morales and Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, and now we know that Issa Rae is being added to the cast. Uh, will the others come back? We have yet to see, but so far, I am stoked. Issa Rae, I think, is fantastic. And 100% her chemistry with Kumal Nanjiani saved, 100% saved the lovebirds. So like I said, my friends, I am keeping this episode short. So if I missed a story you think I should have talked about, so my friends, I am keeping this short, like I said. So if I missed a story and you want to hear me talk about it or hear my thoughts, just let me know. But for now, let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Network. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we're back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Well, our first movie is an HBO Max original directed by Steven Soderbergh. 
Soderbergh you'd know for movies like Traffic, Aaron Brockovich, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And this is a crime drama about a group of criminals who are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their simple job goes completely sideways. And this stars, let's see, except for the first two in no particular order, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Matt Damon, Brendan Fraser, David Harbour, John Hamm, Noah Jupe, Ray Liotta, Kieran Culkin, Amy Simitz, and, and Bill Duke, and that's pretty good. That is a fantastic cast, let alone seeing Brendan Fraser again, but David Harbour in a, in a role that reminds me nothing of the sheriff from Stranger Things. Uh, Kieran Culkin, big fan, but Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro as the two main characters. I-, I love this so much. And Matt Damon, Matt Damon's always great. This this looks so good. I cannot wait, especially because I already have HBO Max. And even if you don't, do what my wife and I, well, we're, we were supposed to do until we just got lazy and forgot to cancel, is just wait a bit. Get it for a month. It's like, what, $14, $15 a month? Watch all the movies and then just let it go. Uh, this movie is coming out July 1st, and uh, I'm very excited. Next up, we have a trailer for a Netflix original movie coming out July 24th. This is about a woman with a mysterious illness who is forced into action when a group of terrorists attempt to hijack a transatlantic flight, and it turns out her mysterious illness is she's a f***ing vampire. So yeah, it's a group of terrorists take over a plane. Uh, She's worried about her son. She knows she has to act. So I guess she stops taking some medication that keeps her vampirism or something at bay. And uh, she goes and kills a whole bunch of people. The main two in the cast, not the main characters, but the more famous people are Graham McTavish from the Hobbit series and Dominic Purcell from Prison Break. This looks like the perfect Netflix film because it doesn't look like anything any of us would ever purposely see in theaters, but the fact that it's on Netflix, we can watch it anytime. We can get blitzed off our ass and just enjoy it, or just maybe one day for a movie day, you know, completely sober, whatever, however you roll. That's what's great about Netflix. Well, next up, we have a charming little movie that I really, really want to see really bad, and it's called The Duke. This is a comedy biodrama, and here's the premise. In 1961, Kempton Bunton, a 60-year-old taxi driver, steals Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington from the National Gallery in London. But there's more to it than that uh, pitiful IMDb premise. Apparently, he didn't steal it to be a criminal mastermind. He stole it because he wanted to ransom it back to get money to help people in need. Because he saw that, well, look, we have all these pieces of art and we have all of this money going to other places. And why can't we spend some of that money on people who need it? So basically he steals it, gets caught, and he's going to risk, you know, 10 years in prison. And at 60, that could be a death sentence. So it's it's about him and the reason he did it, his relationship with his wife, and how he kind of just charms the world. And I hope it ends well, because it's kind of f***ed up to do a lighthearted comedy and then have him die in jail. That just wouldn't seem right. It stars Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren, Matthew Good, and Fionn Whitehead. And it comes out September 3rd in the United Kingdom. And I'm guessing somewhere around September 3rd here as well. Next up in the trove, we have The Boss Baby, Family Business. Yes, The Boss Baby is getting a sequel. And yes, Alec Baldwin and James Marsden 
are returning. Also in the vocal cast, Amy Sedaris, Eva Longoria, Jimmy Kimmel, Lisa Kudrow, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, the usual lots of famous people in the movie. In this movie, the Templeton brothers have become adults and drifted away from each other, but a new boss baby with a cunning edge approach is about to bring them together again and inspire a new family business. This hits theaters and is available to stream on Peacock on July 2nd. So if you liked the first Boss Baby, good for you, I guess. This is coming out. And if you get Peacock, you can watch it for, well, not free, but because you pay for Peacock. But, you know, you can watch it. And uh, if your kids liked it, there we go. Enjoy. All right. Next up, we have another animated movie. This one coming to Netflix on June 30th. This is brought to you by the people behind Archer, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Expendables, and Magic Mike, which is the weirdest grouping of movies I've ever seen. And this is about a chainsaw-wielding George Washington who teams up with a beer-loving bro Sam Adams to take down the Brits in a tongue-in-cheek ripoff of the American Revolution. This has a vocal cast of people like Channing Tatum, Simon Pegg, Judy Greer, Bobby Moynihan, Olivia Munn, Amber Nash, uh, Lucky Yates, Killer Mike, Jason Manzukis, Will Forte, Andy Samberg. So this seems like mostly people who you get it. You get why they were chosen to be in this. Channing Tatum, super white dude bro, great for George Washington. Simon Pegg, he's done voices before as King James. And this movie looks like if the American Revolution was watched through the lens of the Venture Brothers. That's kind of how I how I look at this. And the good part is that there is a, a person voicing Geronimo, uh, Raul Max Trujillo, who is actually of native descent. The black character is being voiced by Killer Mike, a black dude. So luckily this movie avoids any of the very obvious cancellation reasons. Uh, it looks it looks hilarious. Uh, it looks like one of those films that you would only really watch at home, that you would probably skip it in the theaters, watch it at home and really enjoy it. So it's good that's coming straight to Netflix this summer. All right, friends, two trailers left. The next one is for a movie called The God Committee. This is about an organ transplant committee has one hour to decide which of three patients deserves a life-saving heart. Seven years later, the committee members struggle with the consequences of that fateful decision. This has a cast straight out of the 90s, stars Julia Stiles, Janine Garofalo, Kelsey Grammer, Dan Hedaya, and uh, the one who doesn't belong in the 90s is Coleman Domingo, who you would know from movies like Selma, Lincoln, and the show Fear the Walking Dead. Yay, all these lighthearted films, and then this one, uh, it looks like a good medical thriller, uh, because it, there is a good question that the, the trailer brings up. So we have this heart that was uh, that was received, because this unfortunate young man died, and the person who the heart was meant for, who was next on the list, dies before the surgery could happen. So they need to find out who gets his heart because they can't just move it to another hospital. It has to go to someone in that hospital. And out of the people who are up for it is the son of a very wealthy person who says, hey, I will give this hospital $25 million if you choose my son. And so they're like, well, hey, who do we pick? Do we pick this guy? And we can save a lot of people with that $25 million. But that's also morally questionable, too. Do we give it to this other person who may deserve it more? And how do you actually, how do you decide who deserves to live? So it looks pretty good. It comes out July 2nd. All right, my friends, the final trailer we have to talk about is the final trailer for Black Widow coming out July 9th on Disney Plus All Access and in theaters, including an IMAX release. And every time I see a trailer it just makes me so angry because it looks so good. It looks so 
good and where the was this Black Widow the whole, whole time? I'm not going to go too much into it. You've heard it before, and I'm going to do it again for the July 9th episode, but it looks so good, and I'm so excited that Florence Pugh is in it, and that Florence Pugh is reprising her role as Yelena, Yelena Belova, uh, Black Widow's sister, in the Hawkeye show, hopefully meaning that she will be the new Black Widow moving forward, hopefully. But this is the, the Black Widow we've needed this whole time, and we'll get to see her on July 9th. Well, my future friends, that's it for the trailers. As always, did I miss something? Let me know. And we'll be right back with the limited release section as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Uh, Sorry for the late episode, by the way. Uh, Birthday weeks are weird weeks, but it's finally out, and I'm back from the trailers to tell you about the movies coming out this week. So let's start, as always, with the limited release section. Friendly reminder, these are movies that aren't getting national releases, and also did not catch my eye. So let's start with Queen Bees. Uh, this one almost made it. it. It almost made it into the uh, wide releases and interesting indie section. But it didn't quite make the cut. This is a limited and VOD release. So after reluctantly agreeing to move into a senior home, a woman encounters a clique of mean-spirited women and an... I've never said this word before. Armorous? Amorous? You know, like amor, like love. But the descriptive word. Anyway... This stars Ellen Bernstein from The Exorcist, James Caan from Misery, Anne Margaret from Grumpy Old Men, Jane Curtin from Third Rock from the Sun, Christopher Lloyd from Clue, and Loretta Devine from Waiting to Exhale. Basically think of a geriatric Mean Girls, and that's what this is. Next up is Holler, a uh, limited and VOD release brought to us by IFC Films. To pay for her education and the chance at a better life, a young woman joins a dangerous scrap metal crew. This stars Jessica Barden from The End of the Fucking World, Pamela Adlin from Louie, and Austin Emilio from Fear the Walking Dead. It just felt like one of those movies that was going to be a commentary on how hard life is uh, or can be in America, especially those in more middle America, blue collar areas. And uh, it could have been good. It could still be good, but it just seems like it fell flat to me. Next up is Queen of Spades. According to legend, an ominous entity known as the Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. This stars no one of note and seems like a terrible Candyman slash Bloody Mary ripoff. Like the ritual to summon her is you have to put a Queen of Spades on a mirror, light a candle in the dark and stand in the mirror and say, Queen of Spades, I summon you like three times. Come on, if you do that, you deserve it. Just, just die and let the movie be over with and let's move on. Next up is a film called Censor, 
After viewing a strangely familiar video, Enid, a film censor, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. This stars Niyama, Niyama Algar, I think, from Pure on HBO Max, Michael Smiley from Free Fire, Vincent Franklin from From Hell, and Sofia Laporta from Four Weddings and a Funeral TV show on Hulu. Next up, we have Operation Rainfall, limited and VOD. And by the way, Queen of Spades and Censor was just limited. Occupation Rainfall takes place two years after the first movie. And after aliens have landed on Earth, survivors from Sydney, Australia, fight in a desperate war as a number of casualties continue to grow. This stars Dan Ewing from Love and Monsters, Timora Morrison from Star Wars Episode Two, Daniel Giles from The Originals, Lawrence McCorey from Die Another Day, Zach Garin from General Hospital, Jet Tranter from Tidelands, I think, and in a smaller role, Ken Jeong from The Hangover and the voice of Jason Isaacs. As far as a like low-budget, cheesy sci-fi, this looks pretty good, but seeing as how to understand it, you may have to see the first one. I couldn't put it in the, in the uh, wide-release section. All right, and the final movie in the limited section is called Domino Battle for the Bones, another movie that almost made it into the wide release section, but it, it just didn't quite get me, uh, but it just didn't quite speak to me enough. This is about a feel-good comedy about an elderly black man who teams up with his awkward white step-grandson to defeat his rival in a domino tournament. This stars in IMDb order, David Arquette from Scream, Snoop D-O-double-G from Training Day, Tom Lister Jr. from The Fifth Element, Carlito Olivero from Le- Carlito Olivero from East Los High, Carlito Olivero from East Los High, Lou Beatty Jr. from A Million Little Things, and Anthony McKinley from How High. All right, since the limited section went really fast, it wasn't even a whole five minutes, let us jump into the wide releases. We'll do three of those, and then we'll jump into the next and final break. So let's talk about The Misfits, which which gets a nationwide release. After being recruited by a group of unconventional thieves, renowned criminal Richard Pace finds himself caught up in an elaborate gold heist that promises to have far-reaching implications on his life and the lives of countless others. This stars Pierce Brosnan from Die Another Day, Tim Roth from Rob Roy, Nick Cannon from Drumline, Hermione Corfield from Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, and Jamie Chung from The Gifted. So we have your typical heist movie starring Pierce Brosnan, who it's good to see him again. I mean, he never did stop acting after the Bond films, but his his stock just kind of slowly dropped. I still like him, but uh, this is that kind of movie that I would just kind of get. Like if I saw it at the dollar store or in Walmart for like five bucks, I'd pick it up. Other than that, I'd skip this. It doesn't look bad. It looks like a typical heist movie. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you are a fan of heist movies then I would definitely check this out. But at home, unless you really, really want to go to the theater, it's playing near you, and you're like, you know what? Why not? Why not take a chance on James Bond and the guy from Drumline? Why not? As for me, this is going on my maybe pile, and it's going to get a 6 out of 11. All right, next up, we have 12 Mighty Orphans, a limited release, Haunted by His Mysterious Past, a devoted high school football coach leads a scrawny team of orphans to the state championship during the Great Depression and inspires a broken nation along the way. This stars Luke Wilson from Vacancy, Vanessa Shaw from Hocus Pocus, Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park, 
Robert Duvall from Open Range, Martin Sheen from The Departed, and Treat Williams from Deep Rising and The Substitute sequels. You know, I loved the Substitute movies. I thought Substitute 2 was better than 1, and they just got worse after that, but you know what? They were fun. Uh, this one looks looks okay. This is a sports movie, so it's about football, and it's like old-timey football, you know, with with leather leather outfits and everything. You just wear this kind of skull cap that doesn't seem like it would do jack sh- Back when the injuries and death in football were probably a little more out there and easier to see as opposed to the long-term consequences of tackle football these days. This is another movie, just like The Misfits, where you know what to expect. If you're a fan of this type of movie, then I don't see why you wouldn't want to check it out. Just because if it's your jam, watch it. I mean, like honestly, there's there's no good reason not to, unless, of course, you're just like, eh, like not really. But if, if sports films, or if in the case of Misfits, heist films are your shit, then I would totally check this out. It has a good cast. I'm not sure how much Robert Duvall and Martin Sheen are actually in it because this seems like, and you know, I say this a lot, but it's also true where it looks like it gets these really famous actors and it catches them between projects. We all know movies like this exist. If Danny DeVito could film all of his roles in it's always in sunny in Philadelphia season two roles, his scenes, in season two of that show in what is a couple weeks he did it or was it a weekend i don't know he he did it in very short amount of time because he wanted to be in it but he had another project then i truly believe big actors like this can film like six or seven scenes for an entire movie and then like within a week and then move on which is why we see big actors even big actors still because robert duvall and martin sheen are legendary but they they don't produce as much as they used to but that's why i think we see actors like this in movies like this. But let's be honest, it looks like a fine movie. And if this movie is to be believed, and I didn't know this, it could be 100% bullshit made up for the movie and I am just a gullible ass. But it seems like the way we play football now with after the snap, it being thrown to the quarterback and the quarterback like chucking the ball somewhere or running himself or handing off what, you know how football works. But apparently that wasn't always the way. So they thought, oh, we're smaller than all these other guys, and so we can't rush the ball as much. So what are we going to do? We're going to pass it, and we need one person to pass it to, and thus the quarterback was born, I guess? Which actually was a terrible moment in history, because that brought us eventually Tom Brady, and whatever brings us Tom Brady is not good. But Billiam, Tom Brady's one of the best to ever play the game. Yeah, he's a piece of crap. I don't care. But let's talk about 12 Mighty Orphans, or finish talking about it. 12 Mighty Orphans gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, next up, we have a movie called Achilles Escape. This is a limited and VOD release. In a crime noir about the urban child soldier, Akilla Brown captures a 15-year-old Jamaican boy in the aftermath of an armed robbery. Over one grueling night, Akilla confronts a cycle of generational violence he thought he escaped. This stars Saul Williams from K-Pax, Thamela Mpumawana from In the Dark, a musician Vic Mensa, Olunike Adeliyi from Working Moms, and Ronnie Rowe from Star Trek Discovery. So for this movie, think of a film kind of like Taken or John Wick or Peppermint, but about a more, I don't want to say serious topic because Peppermint was kind of serious. Like John Wick and John Wick's a little over the top. Uh, Taken is serious, but also over the top. I mean, 
they're all over the top, let's be honest. Uh, but Peppermint was pretty serious about the murder of a family, but this is a different flavor of serious because we have this guy who dealt with the life of the urban child soldier when he was younger, thought he escaped it, and then he captures a kid who is an urban child soldier and is like, oh, hey, we got to stop this. But then, hey, people are now after him because he has this kid and they're like, oh, we want this. We want this kid back because he's one of ours. And he sees the cycle of violence and he's like, we have to stop this or I have to stop this. I have to do something, even though, you know, I thought I got out of this life and they brought me right back in. It's always important to note the difference between movies like Achilles Escape and the two we just talked about, 12 Mighty Orphans and the Misfits, where Achilles Escape looks like a better quality movie. Uh, it looks through and through like a better quality movie. It has a meaning to it. You know, it's not just a heist movie or a semi-real uh, biodrama. It it looks like it's taking an established trope and turning it on its head instead of feeding right into that trope. But that being said, the other two movies we've talked about so far look more fun while this one looks like a better film. And you know me, that is an important thing to distinguish. Let's look at recent history. Parasite and Joker. Good movies. Good, solid movies. They're not very fun. But the good thing about Achilles Escape is it looks like it's straddling the line enough. Where it's familiar enough. It has this, uh, it has this trope we're familiar with of this guy who used to be part of this old life, kind of like John Wick used to be an assassin and he's brought back into it, where we have Akilla who's just like that. He was part of this old life, brought back into it because uh, he sees his kid who is part of that life too. So we have a familiar movie that is going to be a little bit of social commentary, as well as not forgetting that it's going to promise us a badass action flick. This movie comes to us from a production company with only three films under its belt, including this film. Cane Sugar Filmworks has done three films. In 2008, they brought us Nurse Fighter Boy. In 2018, they brought us Invisible Essence, The Little Prince. And in 2021, Achilles Escape. This company hasn't done much, but the good news is it looks like they knew what to deliver. They knew what they were trying to do. They knew what they could deliver without compromising what else they were trying to do. So I think this looks like a solid film to check out. I think it's the best looking film thus far this week. But unfortunately, there's a really, really wide release that I think is going to trump everything. So that's why Achilles Escape didn't make it as a pick of the week, but it's also one to watch. Achilles Escape gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us jump into our final break as we hear word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, who have not heeded my warnings, who have not listened to my request, and is still actively pumping out episodes, trying their hardest to catch up with me. Uh, you know, slow your roll, guys. Come on, slow your roll. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, we're back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. 
Let's start with a Netflix original film called Awake. After a devastating global event wipes out all electronics and eliminated people's ability to sleep, a former soldier may have found a solution with her daughter. This stars Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin, Jennifer Jason Lee from Single White Female, and Barry Pepper from The Green Mile. Uh, you've, uh, you may have seen this trailer. Uh, it kind of made the rounds, and it's also a Netflix original film, so maybe you saw Netflix touting it if you check in their uh, coming soon section or new and noteworthy or whatever they call it. You may have even remembered me talking about this on the show a couple weeks back when the trailer came out and how I, I just don't know. I liked Jane the Virgin. Gina Rodriguez played Jane in Jane the Virgin. I thought Jane was the worst character in Jane the Virgin. And the show really upset me. And if you've never seen the show and want to, uh, I'm going to spoil it because it's been out a while. So jump jump forward maybe five minutes. I don't know. Uh, but when they kill Michael and then later bring him back with amnesia, it was a great move as far as Jane the Virgin being a fake telenovela. Uh, that, it was great in that sense. But I think that Jane the Virgin lost the chance to do something really meaningful where they had Jane and Michael actually end up together and to show that Jane and Raphael could still be good parents to Mateo while being apart. I think that was a that could have been a very good statement to make going, look, we have a good home. Our, our child has two good homes, parents who get like who can get along, showing that this is possible, showing that you can like what we all know that it's possible to raise a normal child in a split home. And then in the last couple seasons, Jane's character got so awful that now whenever I see Gina Rodriguez, I just can't. I, I, I can't. I don't like her. And I know it's not her fault. Truly, Gina Rodriguez has had some issues. She's almost been canceled a couple times because of shit she said and then at first being unapologetic about it but the sad thing is what she said nowadays especially compared like over the last four years uh not that crazy anymore not that insane but my issue with her is the fact that i just can't separate her from this character that introduced me to her and we all have someone like that right think about it you probably have someone you don't like an actor or actress you don't like and it's not necessarily because they're bad. I think Gina Rodriguez is quite talented, but I just don't like the one character that introduced me to her. And I think that's something everyone has at least one person like that. Uh, because my wife had never been familiar with Jason Bateman. And then she saw him for the first time when we watched Ozark season one. We never continued because it's just too dark. We didn't like it. But she can't separate Jason Bateman from his character in Ozarks. And he's a f***ing creep. Anyway, that was kind of a tangent. Uh, Awake doesn't look bad. It just looks like a possibly entertaining but ultimately skippable Netflix film. Awake gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, next up, we have a movie called Infinite on Paramount+. Plus. Yes, this is the movie we talked about last week, I think, with Mark Wahlberg. The Antoine Fuqua movie where they just kind of blindsided them with this fact that, oh, by the way, your movie isn't going to be released in theaters. It's going straight to Paramount+. Plus. Yay, that's this film. So, Infinite. A man discovers that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. This stars Mark Wahlberg from Boogie Nights, Chiwetel Ejiofor from The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, Dylan O'Brien from The Maze Runner, Jason Manzukis from The League, Rupert Friend from The Death of Stalin, Sophie Cookson from Kingsman The Secret Service, and Toby Jones from Captain America The First Avenger. 
So what do we know from the trailer? We know that in the trailer, Mark Wahlberg's character is, uh, they think he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, because he has all these visions and people think voices are talking to him, all this shit. No, it turns out that he has lived all these past lives. He just gets reincarnated, 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 and he has these memories stuck in his head. And until someone reminds him of who he is, he just kind of goes crazy. So we have this dude that's talking to him, like a who we assume is like a police officer or a federal agent, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, and... And then Mark Wahlberg comes to, but right as he comes to, someone breaks in, steals him away and goes, oh, hey, we have to keep you away from these people. They're actually the bad guys, even though you think they're your friends. Uh, let me let, let's get the f away and then fight them. So here's the thing with a movie like this. It could be very predictable. It could be kind of like, um, you know, films like Gemini Man from a couple years back with um, a couple years back. Wasn't just one year, two years with Will Smith. Uh, that that was actually quite a good movie. I liked it a lot. But with with this one, it seems like we would know which way it goes unless Anton Fuqua throws us for a loop. And Anton Fuqua, I think, is one of the more slept on uh, directors. Uh, he is quite good. He's done 74 credits when it comes to directing uh, some TV and um, documentaries and music videos, I think. But he did movies like Magnificent Seven, the Equalizer films. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen, uh, Brooklyn's Finest, Shooter, uh, King Arthur, Tears of the Sun, Training Day. Training Day, dude. The Replacement Killers. So you know his style. Dark, gritty, brutal, and good. I know Mark Wahlberg isn't everyone's favorite. Uh, I think he's good. I like him. Uh, as a person, I, I don't know. Uh, he seems He seems like someone who had a very problematic past, but is mostly okay now, but now he just kind of has that attitude that, yeah, I grew up in Boston, what of it attitude. But if you're ever going to like Mark Wahlberg, if you're ever going to like it, I think it's going to be during an Anton Fuqua movie. Infinite looks entertaining. It looks at the very least like it's going to be an enjoyable movie at the very least. And the good news is if you already have Paramount Plus, you'll be able to watch this film. Paramount Plus is $4.99 for the basic version with ads, $9.99 for an ad-free version. So that is about the price for ad-free version of a movie ticket. So that's why I think everyone should look more at these movies that are coming straight to streaming services they don't have. Except for my stubborn my stubbornness and never wanting to support Apple and thus not watching these uh, Apple TV Plus movies. But other than that, I think that it's very worth, if you're even at least a little interested in Infinite, getting Paramount Plus for a month, remembering to cancel it, like set a reminder or cancel it right away, because if you cancel it, you can still use it for the rest of your the period you paid for. But anyway, get it for the price of a movie ticket, and hell, watch two things. Watch two things you could only watch on that app, and you've, you've paid for it. So until these streaming services stop, start doing something to stop people from doing that, right now, that's a great way of doing it. You're not interested in the rest of the shit on Paramount Plus? That's fine. Get it for a month. Watch this movie. Undo it. Uh, you know, you're not a big fan of Disney? Well, Disney Plus has a new TV show. Wait till you can stream it all together. Get it. Undo it. Thanks to my, my friend uh, Big D from Big D Movie Hunter on YouTube. Uh, we get Paramount Plus. He's sharing our his uh, subscription with us, so thanks a lot for that. But if we didn't already have it in this house, I might I might consider doing that. Going, hey, sweetheart, it's my pick for a movie. Let us just get this for a bit. 
and watch it. I think Infinite's going to be worth it. I, I think if you like Anton Fuqua's movies, you know what to expect, and you know that it's worth a shot. Infinite gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, four movies left. Let's talk about Skater Girl on Netflix. When a teen in rural India discovers a life-changing passion for skateboarding, she faces a rough road as she follows her dream to compete. This stars no one of note, but it looks pretty damn good. You may remember me talking about this on the show when the trailer dropped a couple weeks back. We have what could be a very meaningful movie. So this takes place in rural India, and we know that rural places, no matter where they are, no matter what country they're in, can be very old-fashioned. We know that in countries like that, as in these rural areas, especially that they want to follow the old ways, and the old ways include women doing women things, men doing men things. Young girls learning to be women, young boys learning to become men, and they don't cross. You, you, don't, you don't cross that line. Skateboarding is going to be looked at as a boys thing because it's outdoors and it's and it can be rough and you can get dirty while you do it. And that's not a little girl thing. But we have this this small village that gets introduced to skateboarding and it changes things. It slowly changes things. We have the youth getting into it. And then we have the the older people and the younger people clashing. And this girl asking, hey, why should I not do what I like or what I find to motivate me or what I'm passionate about? Why should I not do that just because it's a quote unquote boy thing to do? So it looks like we're going to be getting this movie that's equal parts sweet and challenging. Seeing this young girl find find out what she loves to do and do it, but also having to fight to do it. And this looks like it's going to be the best skateboarding movie since Gleaming the Cube. So there we go. Gleaming the Cube, folks. Remember that one? A Skater Girl looks good. It does. It looks like a movie that you watch once. Uh, you enjoy it a lot, but it's not really worth a rewatch. Just like, uh, what's something we mentioned earlier? Uh, the Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Uh, when I was talking about Chewy Tell Ejiofor. I liked that film. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really well done, well acted, well written. I, th- I thought overall it was a really good film. I'm not sure if I'll ever watch it again. Maybe if I fully forget it, I'll watch it again. But I watched it. I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. Now we move on. It doesn't have that rewatchability, and I think that's what we're going to see with Skater Girl. So remember, Skater Girl not only said, see you later, girl, but she gets an 8 out of 11. All right, friends, next up, we're going to have one I'm just going to talk briefly about, a nationwide release called Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Thomas and B are now married and living with Peter and his rabbit family. Bored of life in the garden, Peter goes to the big city where he meets a shady character and ends up creating chaos for the whole family. This stars Domhnall Gleeson and Rose Byne from the first movie, and new to the series is David Oyelowo from The Nightingale, or from Nightingale, and features the voices of James Corden, Elizabeth Debicki, Lenny James, or Lenny James, Margot Robbie, Amy Horn, and Rupert Degas. Why am I going to speak about this movie shortly? Uh, Because I've never seen the first Peter Rabbit. I heard it was good. I did. I hear good things about it. Uh, Just like I heard good things about Paddington. Uh, These movies I never saw that apparently are good, that people slept on when they were in the theaters, ended up watching them later and went, you know what? This is pretty good. But even though I've heard good things from people I trust, uh, I still haven't seen this movie. Peter Rabbit 2 looks like more of the same. So if you liked Peter Rabbit 1, then check this out. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. As for my score, I'm going to give it what I think I'd give Peter Rabbit 1, 
and that's going to be a 7 out of 11. Two more movies, folks, and the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called The House Next Door, Meet the Blacks 2. When best-selling author Carl Black moves his family back to his childhood home, he must team up with oddball neighbors to do battle with a pimp who may or may not be an actual vampire. This stars Mike Epps, Brescia Webb, Lil Duvall, Michael Blackston, Alex Henderson, Andrew Batchelor, Gary Owen, Snoop Dogg, and Tyrin Turner from the original movie. And new to the series are Cat Williams from Friday After Next, Danny Trejo from Machete, and Rick Ross, who's a musician. I like films like this. I do. Last year, my wife and I watched A Haunted House. That was the Marlon Wayans uh, spoof movie from 2013. That spoofed films like Paranormal Activity and The Exorcist. And I thought it was really, really funny. They, uh, it's, it's a kind of comedy you expect from a Wayne's Brothers movie. It really is. But it's good. It's funny. It is. The jokes a lot of times are obvious, uh, but it works. And they do such a good job of picking on something that they notice in a movie. Like, especially with the Paranormal Activity movies, they saw something go, okay, this, this scene is a direct scene we're going to take and then put it in our movie and make it funny. And so if you've watched the films that they're making fun of, it just hits different. It does. If you have never seen Paranormal Activity, if you have never seen The Exorcist, and so you and I sat down together and watched this film, I will get so much more out of it than you. And that's not really against you. Maybe you didn't want to watch those movies, whatever. But the thing is, if you go into these movies knowing that you'll enjoy it more, if you understand what they're spoofing, then it'll be a lot better. So with this movie, it looks like if you are familiar with vampire movies, you will get it. I, I'm not sure if they're very specific movies that are going to spoof or if it's just a general comedy or a general comedy commentary on the genre. But I think the more you're familiar with the vampire genre of movies or vampire movies, I mean, not it's not a genre. I think you'll enjoy it. This looks funny. But guess what? If you don't like these kind of movies, if you don't like the style presented primarily by the Wayans Brothers in their spoofs, and, and let's be clear, this one is not a Wayans Brothers movie, but it makes me think of it. So if you like these type of films, which I do, and I hope you do, because they're fun. They're just enjoyable. But if you do like them, check this out. I think this will be a better watch around Halloween and it will probably be out to own or rent or maybe even on a streaming service by then. So unless you really need a comedy right now, I'd wait on this, but it still looks good. The House Next Door, Meet the Blacks 2 gets an 8 out of 11. And lastly, the pick of the week, My Future Friends, is a film called In the Heights coming to theaters and HBO Max. The scent of Cafecito Caliente hangs in the air just outside of the 181st Street subway stop. The likable, magnetic bodega owner, Usnavi, saves every penny from his daily grind as he hopes, imagines, and sings about a better life. This stars Anthony Ramos from Hamilton, Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton, Ariana Greenblatt from Love and Monsters, Jimmy Smits from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black, Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton, Chris Jackson from Hamilton, and musician Mark Anthony. So Lin-Manuel Miranda has been around for a while. Uh, he got his start in 1996 in a movie called Clayton's Friends, 
Uh, then he, uh, then about 10 years later, he did an episode of Sopranos and Electric Company and House and Modern Family. And he's done a lot of stuff, but everyone knows him from Hamilton because Hamilton exploded. So if you remember when Barack Obama was still president, Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, gave a performance at the White House. That was when I think Michelle Obama started it, bringing musicians and stuff for a cult, like cultural events at the White House. And Lin-Manuel Miranda was one of them. And Barack Obama said that when he heard what this was going to be, when he heard what Lin-Manuel Miranda's performance was going to be about, they didn't have high hopes, but ended up being blown away. Then Hamilton premiered and the rest was history. It's now one of those movies. Now, one of those movies is now one of those those Broadway productions that theater nerds gush about so much that kind of gets on the nerves of non-theater nerds where you'll, they'll find out you've never seen Hamilton. And they're like, what? Like they like you've personally offended them. It's being added to the list like with Dear Evan Hansen or back in the back in the day with Rent, even further back with Phantom, things like that. But it's important to know that Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't just one note. He hasn't just done Hamilton. He's done quite a lot of stuff, but Hamilton is his big thing. Uh, he has another Broadway play out right now, uh, which is a improv freestyle rap Broadway production or something. It's supposed to be really good. But In the Heights, apparently, I've never heard of it until this, was based on a Broadway musical of the same name. So Lin-Manuel Miranda created the Broadway musical. It was turned into a movie directed by John M. Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians. And I don't know enough to talk about this more, as in I don't know if Anthony Ramos was in the Broadway musical, though it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know how many of these people were. All I know is it looks good. This is a long-awaited movie because... Hamilton exploded when it came to Disney plus it exploded again because people who never got the chance to see it live. Like I didn't, I never got the chance to see it live could finally see it. And now we're excited for more. We're excited for anything else from Lin-Manuel Miranda. So this is a long anticipated movie. It looks good. The trailer makes it look like this movie is going to deliver on everything. It's been promising. We know that, Miranda is a talented musician. We know that he can write songs and sing songs and dance. We know that he can put it all together into something amazing. So all signs are pointing to this being a fantastic movie. And I cannot wait. And the good news is that you can watch it in theaters or you can watch it at home just for the price of a month of HBO Max. And remember, this is one of those films that HBO Max is just getting for a little bit congruently with theater. So you only have 30 days to watch it before it leaves HBO Max and maybe comes back. I don't know. But either way, I think this is well, well worth a watch and I am excited for it. And I will probably watch this, if not this weekend, because, you know, my wife gets to pick all the movies we watch because it's her birthday weekend. If not this weekend, next weekend, definitely. I am very excited. I hope you're excited. In the Heights looks good. In the Heights gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Let us jump right into the closing housekeeping and send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts you may enjoy. As always, thank you so much for checking my little show out and have a great week. I hope you watch a lot of great movies. And if you do, just let me know. Let me know what you watched. But for now, here we go.